Good Company. Honest and transparent conversations between two good mates on an entrepreneurial journey together. Join Lisa Cordoff and myself, Carly Nimmo, while we explore what it means to create, grow and keep good company. Life and business is better when you're keeping good company. Carly, I mean, why? Why podcasting? I seriously, you have done so many podcasts, so many guests, so many tears, so much honesty, so much personal growth on the mic. Why did you choose podcasting or did podcasting choose you? I think podcasting chose me. I, like if I go back to my childhood, it was with a double tape deck, you know. I was one of those kids that had the double tape deck and would play a song and then kind of back announce it or like get my friends and we'd just record like us being dickheads really in in the double tape deck. And I always wanted to work in radio. I wanted to work for Triple J. Um, you know, I was always really into music. That was like my Triple J was like my dream job. I've seen you on Triple J. (laughs) That, that was like the dream. And so, but then I went into sales because, and photography because, um, it was just an easier path. Like it just felt like radio was hard, like a, a hard path to get into. And then in about 2000 and, one or two, I did a course in radio. So I'd already done sound at university, but I knew sound engineering was really difficult to get into. So I didn't bother. I just went down the photography route. So then it by like after spending however long it was in that photography kind of world and feeling like, I don't know, like it just wasn't where I was meant to be. I decided to go back and study radio and then got a job at a shitty radio station in um, up here in Lismore and did that for a few years. And I loved it. But, man, radio is just full of massive egos and twats yeah. and shit music, oh. you know, like it was shit music. I'd be playing, oh, I don't even know, just really bad I never listened to stuff. Triple M when I worked in the rock patrols. Yeah. I was never listening to Yeah, Triple I was all, even even at the radio station I used to have Triple J on in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so after realizing that radio was full of massive egos and I didn't really enjoy it, I I but I did enjoy using my voice. And mm. it was like I left radio in about 2005 when I started my voiceover agency. And I decided that I wanted to keep using my voice. And back then I'd kind of thought, I wonder like if I could do, if there's such a thing as doing like a radio show, but without having the radio station attached to it. But at that time it was 2005. You invented podcasting. (laughs) No. (laughs) Podcasting was was, was a thing, but it was like really very high barriers to entry because it required you to know a lot of tech stuff. You know, even as running my voiceover agency back then, you know, when I first started running the voiceover agency, I would record and have to burn things to CD and or DVD and kind of post them out. And then we moved into um, like delivering things via FTP. So on your website, like 
it, like very mm-hmm. and and podcasting was the same. So you used to just deliver everything via RSS feed, which mm. was like I'm not a tech person. So all this stuff was like way not my strength. With the voiceover agency, I made it work because it was actually easier than me burning a DVD and sticking it in the post and waiting three or four days for the person to get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but but the barriers to to that were really high and to podcasting anyway. And I didn't really know, like, what the hell was I going to talk about? I couldn't really have a music show and I didn't really have anything to say back then because, like, I hadn't really been through anything. I was just like a girl who had a voiceover agency, did a lot of partying, you know. Like, it wasn't, yeah, that like I didn't have the mes- message burning inside of me. So I just kind of sat it on the back burner. But I remember joking with a lot of friends how cool it would be to have, like, just the two of us, like, jamming. We'd have our own radio show kind of thing. So all that stuff was kind of going on, like, 15, 20 years ago in my head. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? And But I have to say, like, like any puzzle, you only really connect the dots looking back, right? Like, it's easy for me to look back and go, yes, this makes so much sense. This is why I do. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. But when you're in putting the puzzle together, you really have no idea of what you're creating until you look back on the reflection. So it sounds like it's this perfectly laid out, like, well, I loved, I love to be with my, you know, double tape deck as a kid. And and then I went to radio school and I studied sound engineering at uni. And then I, you know, and then I, but it was like, no, 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 no. That's not, it wasn't like linear. It was not a linear process. (laughs) So I started the voiceover agency. You were not doing it based on like, this is this step and I know exactly what I'm doing. Exactly, exactly. It was like one step with faith each time. But not even just like, you know, it was just like, oh, you know, I'll give this a crack, I'll give this a crack, I'll give this a crack kind of thing. Um, So I started the voiceover agency. I started doing voiceover work in like 2005 um, or 2004 and Killer Copy officially started in 2005. And it was me, I had a microphone and my um, Miko built me this little booth that had curtains in it and um and i would record jobs for you know phone on hold systems and um phone on hold systems and and lots of like online learning stuff right mm. so it was it you know videos it was pretty much corporate video back then mostly yes. corporate video and online hold systems so i was doing that and then eventually that kind of built into an agency so i had other talent and eventually put on my editor neil and so now 15 or not 15 13 years later it's kind of the business that runs in the background but where i really got my training in audio how to do it myself because it's very different to have a mic shoved in your face in a radio station speak into this and you've got a producer and a you know push push this button to go on air you know, like it's, it's, that's very different to like figuring out how to create good quality audio in your own right. environment. So, yeah. you know, so I was doing the voiceover stuff for a while, but it didn't feel like it was like lighting my soul alive. It wasn't like my, my purpose was to be a voiceover artist. Some people it oh. is, you know, they love it. They love getting into the characters and they love doing all that stuff. Not really me. I was just doing it because it, it's easy for me to do it. It's enjoyable. It's not shit. And, um, and I make good money from it. So, so I was kind of just going along doing that thing. And then obviously had a whole bunch of other stuff happen. So had depression and anxiety, 
which caused me to kind of then find my way into like, okay, so my life needs more purpose and meaning. So how am I going to create more purpose and meaning? Well, maybe I'll just go on this personal journey of discovery. So then wanting to find a way to share that. So me running with the video camera and talking about whatever was going on, like be the change in the world, all these like popular kind of um, personal development ideas, thoughts become things. All those things were kind of like the stuff that I used to talk about when I was videoing and when I was blogging. And for some reason, I still hadn't thought a podcast. I don't, I don't actually know why <laughs> it never really occurred to me. I think it was because it still felt like there was a really high barrier for entry. You know, it, it was like, yeah. yes, I knew how to create audio. Yes, I could talk. Yes, I kind of had somewhat of a message, but but how? Like, obviously, it's like famous people in iTunes or something. How do they get there? I don't really know. So it just felt like too, too, too overwhelming, really. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I just had failure, 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 and had my daughter got it, went into another depression. You know, all the anxiety, all that kind of jazz going on, and I suddenly just felt the need to speak publicly about like Mm. more publicly about what was going on for me and all the things that I'd been through with the depression. When I started talking about that back in 2009, what I knew from my little videos that might've only had 50 views on YouTube was that people felt less alone. Mm. When I spoke about what I was Mm. going through, they felt less alone. So then I was like, okay, well, maybe if I do that on a bigger scale, like, or trying some different things. So I was writing blog posts and, you know, then when I had the failure, it was like, well, I'll share this because that'll help people. I'm sure there's other people who have experienced failure and they feel all alone. And so I just had felt this real call to talk about it. And then podcasting kind of re came into my peripheral. I was listening to some podcasts. So I think I was listening to like Jonathan Field's Good Life Project. Um, I had listened to Lewis Howes, um, and, you know, and started exploring the world of podcasting. And I was like, why aren't I doing this? Why aren't I, why aren't I podcasting? I got the skills. I got Mm. the voice. I've got a bit of a message. So maybe if I just look at like, surely it can't be that hard. So I just kind of started exploring. And it was around that time that I started working with Joe, who has worked for Lisa and I. And and I kind of had said to her, look, I've had this idea about podcasting. And she was like, oh, yeah, I can show you how to do the back end stuff of that if you can do the recording stuff. So we kind of just, yeah, created Carlosophies. And yep. Carlosophies was like, you know, for me, it was like um, I had never – well, you know, I'd just come through that big failure and then to have a podcast mm. go out there and go number one was like, what? What the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, I didn't sustain the number one spot, but I hit it and and it opened up all these doors for me. Mm-hmm. So it was really through the podcast that I practiced finding my own voice mm-hmm. by speaking. Mm. 
by interviewing however many women I in- and a couple of men that I interviewed over the life of the interview aspects of Carlosophies, which I don't really do that much these days. And then I started to get, like, the weird thing was, like you were saying about video, people kind of act as if you're like some kind of celebrity. Well, the same thing happens when people see you in iTunes. They, they, yeah, it's like, it's weird. It's a weird thing. So then I started getting invited to speak places and people started me asking, asking me about podcasting. So I started Radcasters and taught people about podcasting, all that kind of jazz. And then obviously have started keeping good company with you because everyone's listening to this podcast. And then, you know, and then I decided that I would just go all in on audio and honor that this is my medium. And so I created Find Your Freak, which was a private podcast. And now I've delivered my first book as just an audio book. So I've just gone all in on the medium. I guess the things that I love about it are, well, I think it's a natural medium for me. Obvs. Obviously. But these days it's that high barrier to entry isn't there. It's a little more work than, sure, it's a little more work than pressing go on a video, um, you know, pressing live on a, on a, on a Facebook live. But for me, but that's why, but that's why you created Radcasters. I think because you felt like I can remember you would just say, there's all these people with this good stuff. I've worked out how to do it. I'm just going to tell them the steps, but yeah. I, you can tell them the steps, but this is the thing. I think with podcasting, it's like we can, we create what is the block because we can think it's the tech stuff and that involves a little bit more work, but there's a whole lot less work in terms of, you know, needing to actually have a set or, um, you know, be seen on a day when you don't really want to be seen. Like podcasting, you can do any day of the week. Yes. You just need to get in front of your mic and, um, and any time of day or whatever. Um, but it's actually, I think that you would say that delivering Radcasters wasn't about giving people the know-how. It was more about giving them permission yeah. to really clear on their message and then do it yeah use their voice go live yeah like go live yeah like what are you waiting for now and it's like this fear that we've all got and we can we just put all of these different you know mountains to climb in front of us before just kind of doing it and I remember remember with Carlosophies remember that first episode Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you and me. <laughs> that was so funny. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I had said like, to you, oh, God, I, you know, I just really want to start this podcast. And you had said to me, right, we'll hit record. We're fucking doing it. Right. Okay. <laughs> now. And it was about nine o'clock at night or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think kids it was like a down. Friday night. The kids were down. We were having a beer and we were just like, let's, let's like, do this. Let's, <laughs> let's do this because. Uh, everyone sits in procrastination about this stuff. No one really knows the end result. No. And until you kind of just have a crack. So we think, you know, the name is so important. The name can be changed anytime. We think that, you know, know. is it going to be interviews? Is it going to be solo? Is it going to be like just 
I know. And people ask, like, this was the whole thing, you know, because I took, I've taken a year off the Radcasters thing and I'm just reopening it in a way that works better for the people that I want to serve. Because what I found was people were signing up for the course and, you know, and there was some people who did the course. Oh my God. They went on to have huge success. Like, oh. I don't know if anyone listens to the mindful kind, Rachel Cable. She was, she was the first Radcaster to go live nearly three years ago. Like it's coming up to her three year anniversary. And about a year ago, she went, she got over like two million downloads of her podcast. It is her actually just talking into a very basic mic about her sharing her own journey of mindfulness, right? She didn't, cause these are all the hesitations that people have, right? Like, right. I don't have a big audience. Big deal. Right. Neither did I. Rachel, Rachel didn't either. In like three months, she'd had like a hundred thousand downloads of her podcast because she was creating something really cool and unique and it got picked up by iTunes and, you know, featured the same way Carlosophies did. So it's like that there's, there's the number one myth gone. You don't need a huge audience in order to start a podcast. You just start a podcast. <laughs> the tech side of things, like literally the reason that I started doing, I have two formats of Carlosophies I used to where I'd have the interviews, which were recorded in my studio over Skype. But then my solo shows were always just me walking on the beach with my phone recording into voice memo with a Rode Smart Lab. Because it's like, we, mm -hmm. yes, I have access to all this studio stuff, but we don't need it in order to produce content, right? right. So, yeah. so it's like plug and play. Carlosophies is literally done in the time it takes me to go on my beach walk, which I do anyway. Mm -hmm top and tail it, it literally takes me four minutes to create a Carlosophies episode from when it's recorded. So the time thing, myth busted. The tech thing, you don't need like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear. It's not that hard. Like, you know, it can be time it's consuming. It's really not that. It's really not that hard, is yeah. it? But also I, I think, you know, you know I'm a big fan of whatever's getting in your way, find a way around it. Yeah. So if it is, um, find someone like who on Fiverr or Upwork who you can just, you can get to edit things um, because you, you don't need to do it all yourself and it's not that expensive. And when you consider that, you know, the amount of, the amount of ears that could be listening to you, the amount of people who might be walking about their day with your amazing content in their ears, like what's I know, 40 this, bucks to edit it. an episode? Yeah, like, and or, you know, or less, like less, less. Yes. You know, the thing is, get Radcasters, I show you how to do it. It's like right. literally step by step. This is how you reduce sound off your podcast if it's noisy. This is how you record an intro. This is the kind of things you would want to say in an intro. This is how you mix down a track with music. Like if, but you also don't even have to do any of that because you can literally just use like an app like Anchor and record your podcast directly from your phone into Anchor and there it is. So it's like. So Part, this is the, the thing, right? It's not, it's not the huge barrier to entry that people think it is. Yep. So here's the thing, right? The difference between being like, well, not nobody, but the difference between being the person who you are right now versus being 
the person with that little bit of celebrity who's getting invited to talk at events or getting hundreds of thousands of downloads or whatever is going live, is just getting a podcast done. That opportunity for that little bit of celebrity available to anyone, totally anyone who's got something to say, anyone who's looking to build an audience, anyone who can speak, like really. Yeah. And it's just, you know, when you talk about low barrier to entry, bang. Like, you, you know, it's, it, it, it can honestly be the difference between, like, if you, if someone comes to your website or if someone is searching for you and they have the ability to, to, you know, listen to your latest podcast, I mean, what better way to create a low barrier to entry for them to get to know you? Absolutely. Like, all they have to do is just subscribe to your podcast in their, you know, podcast app of choice. And suddenly there's a relationship there. That's yeah. Powerful. And a, and a big relationship. Like that's the whole thing about that, that I think that's why it's my most favorite medium. Because when you're listening to a podcast, it's you with that person actually in your ear holes, right? So you're not mm-hmm. having to disconnect to watch a live, like from what you're doing. You can be driving the kids around. You can be walking the dog on the beach. And there I am. You're folding the laundry and there I am. You're, you know, whatever you're on your, you're on the plane and there I am. You don't, you don't, you know, like, so this is the thing, right? Like with the podcasting, with having that relationship with someone where you're wherever they are, they're connected to you, even, you know, it's like they've invited you into their lives and that builds a really deep relationship. So you don't need 2 million downloads to, in order to have a successful podcast. Part of the reason that I can say, Hey guys, I'm running a retreat and it's filled is because I've spent these years building a really deep relationship with people through my podcast. Like not mm. that, that is the area where I show up every single week consistently. So there's that element. But the other thing about that low barrier to entry idea is that with a podcast, you actually don't need anything else. So you don't actually need to have a website. You don't actually right. need to have a Facebook page. You, you don't actually need to have Instagram. You don't need to have an email list. Sure, those things can help, but a podcast lives in the podcast app. So everything that is related to the podcast is in the app. Mm-hmm. So there, so there isn't, so if the, if your barrier to entry is like, well, first I'd have to get my website sorted and then I'd have to get a following and then I'd have to do this and then I'd have to do, it's like, no, you just, you can start just with the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's it. And mm-hmm. build off the back of that. Yep. Yeah. We, we do have this tendency to really overcomplicate. Yeah. And it holds, like most of the people listening to this podcast are trying to create company, like build a business. And it's, it's the business that gets hurt when we sit in all of this procrastination, when we make things harder than they need to be, and when we, we tell ourselves stories all the time about why we can't do things when the opportunity is there for the taking and you don't have to do it perfectly. In fact, totally, you know, like expecting that you're going to be a, you know, number one iTunes podcast 
I, like I don't even know how how I did that. Yeah, <laughs> you did that through but, working with me, Lisa. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh no, you. I absolutely did. No, I did. I followed. I followed your instructions. Um, but I launched the Small Steps podcast when I had a following, so that was probably a little bit different, and, yeah. and did follow your rules for that. Um, but with keeping good company, you know, we, we you have a following. I didn't even let my my audience know actually. Um, because I was so embarrassed that I was creating a, a podcast about, about business. About business. So I thought, oh, everyone's just going to think I'm some sales whore and, uh, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't fit. What am I doing with my life? And I oh. thought it was a fluke. Like I, I thought Carlosophy's success was a fluke. But then backing it up again with with keeping good company just showed that, it actually wasn't. This is where I'm meant to be. So I guess like the key things about the podcasting space is for me, if people are thinking about starting, is like there are no rules around it. So if it, it does, it can be a 10 minute show walking on the beach like mine is. It can be an hour long interview. It can be whatever the fuck you want it to be. It can be a lot of fun to create. It doesn't have to be this big, hard, insurmountable mountain in front of you, you know, it can be a really fun experience and it can take you places. It can take you places that some other mediums can't and connect you with people. Like that's been one of the best gifts of Carlosophies was sitting down, having conversations with people, interviewing people, you know, learning their stories a lot of people go, and this was one of mine, I can't interview. I'm not someone who interviews people. But really all an interview is is listening to someone. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, know so I we have a bit of ability to make it about ourselves when we're like, oh, but, you know, interviewing someone, it's like, yeah, interviewing is pretty much listening. <laughs> yeah. I, I know I, I teach people how to do interviews in, in KVR because, once again, I think we massively overcomplicate it. But I do remember feeling quite nervous about how to hold that conversation, yeah. hold a space and get the best out of them. Um, but once again, like anything, it's practice. Like you can't just off the no. bat be an amazing interviewer. People, like there's a reason why, you know, it's just like if you were, if you entered a job in uh, on, on a radio station or um, at the ABC or something, like you wouldn't be straight to Triple J. Mm. Um, prime time. You might yeah. get you might get a job um, on the sound desk or something from midnight till four a.m. Mm. And then they might let you create a voiceover for an ad. Um, and then you might you know move to something else. And then you might get a gig from like you know four a.m. till four thirty a.m. to just <laughs> test it out and just be weird and and nervous. And, and work out how everything works. And then you work your way up. Like we expect ourselves to be heroes and experts off the bat. And we, in media, that never happens. No. Like and you, like you we, walk- like if anything, my story from earlier today is like, it's not linear. Like it's easy for no. me to go, oh yeah, I'm here because of all this. But, mm. but before, before all of all this, it was just me one step at a time moving towards right. something. I didn't even really know what that something was, you like know. What excites me is we could be 
the, the, the next amazing <laughs> Radcaster success story is potentially listening to this right now, not even knowing how capable she is and the opportunity that's right in front of her. She just has to go and grab it and go, I'm going to give this a, this a shot because it's appealing to me for blah, blah, blah reasons. Fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And that it's it's like that is the difference. That's what I really, yeah, you know, want people to know is like start earning your stripes suck right now when you've got a bigger following or whatever then people will go back and listen to your early episodes but probably not and you know like there's no better time to suck than right now yeah is totally. what I say or like with video peeps you say with podcasting peeps like just let yourself learn and don't see it as like you know the you know the biggest deal yeah, totally. It's, it's like once again, it's a vehicle for you to communicate, to get visible, to start building connection and trust with a community who will then go on and be like, hey, you know, I want more from you. Where can I get it? That's the loveliest conversation to have with someone is like, what can I do with you? Totally. I want a little bit more. And none of that is possible if you don't stand up to be seen and heard. Right. And it's always going to feel uncomfortable, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think one of our main reasons for um, starting this podcast was also because we wanted to be able to talk to people in this space. We loved running our mastermind. We just put it together, had a great response and thought maybe we should, maybe we should actually, all I said, I need, I need a vehicle in order to be able to talk about this stuff. I'm, I'm busting at the seams to talk about business and what I'm learning and the personal growth and all of that sort of thing. And it would probably be good for people to hear us before they decide to, you know, jump into a year-long mastermind with us. But we never even really, do we really talk about the mastermind? Not that much. We really should. <laughs> we Maybe really that's our next so episode. <laughs> yeah, our next episode is how amazing our mastermind is. Yeah. No. Um, but, yeah, it's sort of, it's funny, isn't it? But it just means that next time we do talk about it, we will have had a year of conversation and people, you know, just being able to very passively consume us. And get to know hopefully. us and get to trust us and, yeah, and vibe with us. Yeah, but it's sort of, yeah, they end up, they always end up creating a little life of their own way beyond the intention that you usually first had. Totally. All right. Cool. Podcasting a go. Podcasting a go. So check the show notes. There'll be a link in there to Radcasters if you're interested. I'm just working one-on-one -on -one with people now. So it's like four weeks to go from no idea to iTunes. You get access to the course. And, um, you know, you could be in iTunes next month. So it's really that Take simple. Take it up, people. But you're probably not. You pro Are you limiting that? Oh, yeah. That's only, I'm only working with two people a month because oh. I don't have that. I just don't have the space and for it for much more than that. So it is very limited. But if you're keen, get in touch. Love it. That's it. Until next time. We'll see you next week. Thanks for sticking around. See you next Monday. Remember to subscribe and keep good company.